Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of This Blog Can Talk About Anything. My name is Melanie with two L's, and I'm your host because, well, for two reasons, the spelling of your name doesn't change from one week to the next, and I'm always your host. If you're wondering why this sound on this is a little off, it's because it absolutely is. Um, unfortunately, my microphone adapter cracked out, and I ordered a new one, but it hasn't arrived yet, which is why I delayed the episode. But when um, I was reached out to um, by Cecilia Choi's people, I thought that this was her her show word that we're talking about. And the subject matter was something that I wanted to get out there right away as soon as possible um, before the show actually comes out, which is in two days on February 21st. So I wanted to get it out there. And I knew that the sound quality wasn't going to be great, but I really, really wanted to help promote this because through listening to our conversation, you're going to see that um, her show, <clears throat> excuse me, and its subject matter have deeply impacted my life and are probably deeply impacting, is probably deeply impacting your life as well. So again, you can probably hear in my voice that it's a little scratchy. I'm still recovering from long COVID. I have good days and bad days. So I don't want to, I'm not going to give too much of an intro here. I'm just going to throw to the interview because it's wonderful and so heartfelt and great. You don't need to hear me with my scratchy voice. So I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Cecilia Choi, who is now um, a writer, director, producer. So yeah, here we go. You are Cecilia Choi and you are a writer, director, producer, correct? Yes. And a doctor. And a doctor. That's right. So I have to ask just off the bat since you are a doctor what inspired you to go into making like a, t- a tv show because I, I mean <laughs> yeah I mean an actor can play a doctor but an actor can't do what a doctor does so it's it's interesting like I, th- I thought that was really cool yeah so you know what uh, Melanie I think it was really from my selfish motives um being in healthcare. <laughs> No, I'm, 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 it was actually for a cathartic reason. So there's like, like two different reasons. One is because I think we're all creatives, right? Whether you are a doctor, a plumber, or, you know, an, an entertainer, we're all creative. And we have to have ways for us to sort of express what's in our heart. And for me as a physician, I see, you know, and, and I'm an oncologist, I'm a cancer doctor. So I see a lot of people suffering. And what's adding to that suffering is the broken healthcare system. And so, you know, for the past 20 years, I've seen people who are in the fringes. So these are the people who um, are not financially, you know, stable. You know, they may be homeless. They may be incarcerated. They may be uh, people of color, right? Or they may just not have the, so, the social support system to get good health care. Or they don't speak English or what other reasons It's just that they don't get the care that they need and that they deserve. And so um, when I see that, it just really broke my heart. And I said, you know what, we have to put a, we have to let people know that this is happening in this country. And Melanie, I know you or your family member, I bet you one, somebody that you know, went to the, see their doctor, went to the hospital, had some procedure done and you hear horror stories, right? And so I, I thought that, you know what, what can we do this so it's not this very dry, oh, I'm a doctor, this is what our healthcare system is like, this is what the insurance company is doing to you guys. I, I wanted to do something that was more fun, more creative, 
and um, just to kind of cast that light on what's happening in America right now. Well, first of all, I love to hear you say that you think everybody is a creative because there's nothing I hate more than hearing somebody talk about, well, if you have a left brain or a right brain, because I'm super creative, like by nature, I'm an actor, but I'm also yeah. like a very good writer. And like, I did really well in school. So it's like, you, I, you know, I was accepted to Harvard and I just chose that I wanted to go into, you know, acting because that's where my heart was. So it's nice mm -hmm. to hear somebody who's on the other side of that say, I think everybody is creative because I think we all get stuck in these sort of boxes of, well, you can be a doctor or a lawyer, or you can go be one of those like, you know, hippy dippy actors who are never going to make it anywhere. And so that's beautiful <laughs> to hear, first of all, from a doctor. And second of yeah. all, you, yes, you're right about, about the horror stories in the healthcare, in the healthcare system. I'm Canadian. So in some ways ah. we're lucky, we're luckier. But my mother, for example, she had been sick for like 10 years. She had this, she didn't know what was wrong. She would just get this, like a cycle. She'd get like cyclic vomiting and she would be very sick and then it would kind of go away. And one day she got really, really sick after this had happened a million times. And every time we went to the hospital, they were like, you're dehydrated. They'd just rehydrate her, send her home. And one day she, she was sick for a week, like really sick. And then she's like, I feel like something ruptured and I need to go to the hospital. We went to the hospital and she was actually treated really horribly because she was crying and she, she was in a lot of pain and nurses were like, stop being dramatic and this and that. And they almost sent my mom home with a kidney stone. And this doctor came running down the hallway. He was in his seventies. And he said to my mom, I need to put you in surgery right now because you're septic. Like you have an ulcer and it tore open and it's going everywhere. And if you, if you don't go to surgery, you won't be here in four hours. And I'm like, what? Like I'm crying. And I'm like, how yeah. many patients have you lost? And he's going, listen, I've never lost a patient on the table. And I'm like, is my mom going to die? And he's like, I'm not planning on it. But if I stand <laughs> here and talk to you, like I need to yeah. get her in surgery. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then when he came out, he just had like a big smile. And he was like, everything's going to be okay. And we were so Ooh. lucky that we had this one doctor who like ding dong, like the light turned on, like he cared and he saved her life. So yeah, there are nightmare stories and there's a lot of people who are not so lucky. So I, I did, I saw the show. I watched a semi episode one and six. So it, it's a little bit oh, disjointed, okay. it <laughs> but is. it's, I, I think it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. I, I, I loved it. What I, what I've seen, I'm excited to see the rest, obviously. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, okay. First of all, I am so sorry that your mom had to go through that. And I think one thing that we don't realize is it doesn't just impact the patient, but impacts their family, right? Mm -hmm. And especially when you go to seek healthcare because you're sick, nobody sits there thinking, you know what? I feel like getting sick today. It's always like, I did not expect this to happen. And right. when you go seek healthcare, and these are the people that are supposed to like investigate and figure out and make you feel better. And if they're like, oh, you're overblowing it or you're just dehydrated or whatever, and then give you fluids, but that doesn't get to the cause of what's causing the symptom, right? So the symptom, what your mom was feeling was your body telling you, her like, you know, something is wrong. You need to take care of this. And, you know, I think what's happening in American healthcare system is one, the healthcare providers most of them are burnt out, especially with COVID. They're absolutely burnt out. They are spread real thin. You have nurses and doctors that are uh, 
they don't have the experience because some of them are retiring early, right? So for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to step back. Let me see what's happening here. Let's do the adequate test. Let's, let's really get into this. But I mean, for her, your mom, she was lucky in a way, right? But just imagine the heartache she felt going to the healthcare repeatedly. And just imagine if your mom didn't have uh, health insurance. Imagine if your mom didn't speak English. Imagine your mom, if she lived in Canada or like, I don't know, Minnesota or, or Cleveland, where I worked at, where she had to take three buses every time she had to go see healthcare, right? Wow. So what we, you know, I'm trying to sort of like enlighten to the viewers that healthcare is broken. And the best way for us to fix this is for people to see it and be like, hey, that was kind of like fun. It's kind of cool. I really liked it. But there is this underlying message where it says, you know what? It is broken. And if we don't do something about it now, it's just going to get worse. Right. So hopefully they'll like try to see if they could get involved with their communities or get involved with their political leadership or even like something like this. Like just let people in the social media or in podcasts know like, hey, my parents or me or my family member went through this kind of experience. What can we do to pressure um, the healthcare system so that things are not so fragmented? And I think that's something that we hear over and over and over again from my patients. But uh, so that's kind of why I said it's kind of cathartic for me because I take all that frustration, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and because, you know, doctors and nurses, we're human. We have families, right? And so um, we take this home and we don't know what to do with this, right? Because we are working 12, 16 hours a day. We don't have time to go and write a letter to our congressman or senators or what have you, or, or mayor. Um, and so we feel like we're kind of trapped in this system that we know is broken and we just have to continue to work. And so I took some time off um, and we filmed these series just to say, hey, this was fun. But you know what? Especially for those people who live in the fringes, like if you live in a rural area, the chances of you getting good healthcare is really limited. It's, I mean, I've had patients who had to literally go out of their state, like get on a plane, go out of their state to get their cancer care. And so then now you're going to a, a different state, staying at a hotel. Your family is not with you. You're there by yourself. And so it becomes like a huge struggle. Yeah. Cancer, unfortunately, and all my family is not like a new thing. My mother had cancer she, right after she had me. She was 20, 23 years old. She had uterine cancer. So they had to take her uterus out. And then when I was like two or three, my grandma was diagnosed with breast cancer. And they told her like, you're going to die within seven months. And she actually went to like alternative medicine to treat herself because she wanted to live so bad. And she lived seven years, but she went through chemo and radiation and she had her breast was burnt to the third degree. She had to sue this hospital. And then my grandpa, God bless him. He had to have, he had can uh, cancer in the lung and they had to remove a quarter of his lung. And me and my grandpa were super, super close. Like he was like my dad, he was like my whole world. And he was living on borrowed time. And he, when he had his lung surgery, they, he died like several times 
during the surgery and the we were just blessed that we had the person who who did his surgery was the top doctor for this procedure in the country. And instead of saying, well, you know, he's, you know, in his sixties, let's just let him die. He brought him back. And I only got two more years with him, but still like, I was so grateful to that particular doctor. And I also think that it's important for people to know that your job or anyone who's working in medicine it's hard. Like I have friends who are nurses, friends who are doctors, and they tell me these nightmare stories too. Like their heart is broken. Like when they lose patients and whatever, but in oncology, I, th- I feel like that's especially hard. And I think the first time you, you hear the word oncology, you don't know what it means. You're a kid, you're whatever. But from personal experience, I was 17 and a uh, doctor's like, you got to go to the hospital. You got to go to the oncology unit. And I was like, what's that? Like, I didn't know because I had lumps in my neck and they were afraid that I had lymphoma and I had to get it out because of the family history. And it's terrifying. And you're 17 mm-hmm. years old, you're scared. And the doctor doesn't know what to tell you because nothing they say is going to make you feel any better about the fact that you got to get cut open. So like, yeah, I just... I'm talking a lot, but I also just had a friend whose uh, son, he's five years old and he went through cancer since the age of three twice. And these doctors, like I see them, they're smiling, you know, they're they're being creative and all this for him, but it, it takes a toll. So what I saw of your series without giving too much away is I can see um, the toll that it's taking on the, the main character and why she wants so much to kind of go in here and fix the system. Cause at the beginning, she's kind of like, mm, no, you know, she's like, not very, very nice. And then she, as he, as it progresses that she sees that it's what, what's taking a toll on others is taking a toll on her. And she, and that's kind of the story, obviously, I don't want to give too much away of what I've seen, but <laughs> I, it's, I liked it. I really, I'm excited for it. And I think you picked a great, a great cast as well. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, um, you know, when you said that you had that experience as a 17 year old, yeah. that is such a tough age to be told that you have health issues yeah. because one, there is no, like, there's nothing to compare it with. Right. And so you're, and you're still trying to be a young woman. You're trying to figure out who you are as a human being. You're trying to figure out like, hey, you know, what am I going to like be when I grow up? <laughs> you have all these like future plans. And then then this happens and it's devastating for you and it's devastating for your family. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to talk to your family, but I bet you that they were scared for you and they were looking oh, yeah. at you like, oh my gosh, this is our beautiful, you know daughter, niece, you know, friend who has this news. And I'm, I, I am almost certain that you never get rid of that feeling of helplessness into your adulthood. And so that is something that sticks with you. And, you know, I think sometimes when you're in the healthcare field, you get jaded, right? I see all my patients have cancer, but I know for each one of those cancer patients and each one of those experiences it is absolutely life-changing it's devastating and um I I am so sorry you had to go through that and I I hope everything is okay now but for a 17 year old baby girl it it must have been super scary for you and your family well by the time I was 10 the only family that I had was my mom so every time my mom got sick 
I thought, okay, she's going to die. This was like an automatic thought. So mm. yeah, my mom was, my mom was scared, but I was really, really blessed. And unfortunately, one of my classmates had the same thing happen. She was the same age. We were the same age, but for her, it became a more complicated thing. And she had to have like the surgery across the neck. And she ended up writing a book called, would you like your cancer? Which I think is a very weird title for a book but it was cathartic yeah. for her and uh, she wanted yeah. to make it into a film and it didn't happen but yeah I was really really lucky that it's just like a little scar right here that nobody can see but I I'll never forget that feeling of like am yeah. I going to develop it everywhere else like everyone in my family so yeah but I was yeah I'm lucky and that's why when I see kids like my friend's son I'm like I have to do something like I'll reach out to anyone like if they're like my favorite celebrity is this person I'm like no problem I'm on it and I've been really lucky to meet a lot of other people in my field who are like some kid is sick like let me reach out and do whatever I can and so I think it's kind of cool the way the two worlds kind of you know mesh they intertwine and you don't see that which is which is the cool thing about the show is that you are merging the two the two worlds and I and I just yeah. I think it's great I think I just, awesome. I, I think it's beautiful. I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm kind of in awe of you, really. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so um, I would have to say, like, and when you mention the character is, you know, in the beginning, again, without giving too much away, <laughs> she actually came from a good place in her heart. Like, she wanted to help. She thought she was saving um, people money with people right. not ordering, like, you know, unnecessary tests and unnecessary scans. And I think that's sort of what happened to our healthcare field is our focus was on let's be more efficient, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, let's, oh, the, the cost of healthcare is ballooning. Let's bring it down. But sometimes when you make decision in a, like in a corporation, in a big healthcare system, you don't see how it impacts the regular everyday American people. You don't see, you know, that like a person like yourself who was 17 and is like, what the heck? And you don't see somebody like your mom who had cancer at such a young age. And, um, you know, I, I distinctly remember, you know, I don't know if, if people know this, but as a doctor, I remember most of my patients 20 years later, and I remember in the beginning part of my career, there was this young woman who had cancer and she had a really, really aggressive cancer. And we put her through the ringers, absolutely. And then it got to a point where we were having that discussion of, um, there's not much option for you. And she said, I need to do whatever it takes. And she was fighting so hard and I asked her, give me a reason, like, why are you fighting so hard? And she shared with me that she had a 16-year-old daughter who was working at Taco Bell to support the family because she couldn't work, you know? And she, you know, she was busy trying to get chemotherapy and radiation surgery. There's no way she could work. So her daughter is working at Taco Bell so that she could support the family, so they could pay you know, the rent, the electricity and things like that. And that really hit me really hard. I remember um, when she passed, uh, oh. my, myself, my nurses, we all sat around and sobbed, you know, because there is a 16 year old out there that was trying so hard 
to keep her family together, to support her mom, and she lost her mom. And, you know, the thing is, we all have those stories. Whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, left or right, we all have those stories. And so instead of saying, well, I don't agree with your political view or your, you know, moral values, it's like, come on. You know what what puts us all together in the same pot is we're all human. And so when we when it comes to healthcare, we have to kind of gel together and find that community. And um, that's hopefully something that as you're watching this, maybe subconsciously, you may say, you know what, none of these uh, <laughs> cast or characters are what they're supposed to be like, because I like putting in characters that really don't they're not tropes of things that you would understand, right? So, like, we have this one character um, that, you know, he is, you know, like, gun-loving. Um, he loves America. He is a ex-military. He is Jasper Cole. <laughs> He's Jasper Cole. That's right. <laughs> but you know what? He loves kombucha. He loves doing yoga because yoga helped him to get over some of the issues he had know serving and so we kind of have to take away some of those like barriers and our prejudice that we have against a certain group of people or certain practices that we think that oh we're not like them right Mm -hmm. and so um I kind of wanted to incorporate those characters and in fact um two of the doctors that came to America to help that little town it's a copper mining town that is sort of kind of like uh, due to the greed of, you know, the politicians or, you know, the the people who live there, um, they have nothing, right? And they're just getting poisoned by this copper leaking into their water supply. Um, and no, like all the insurance companies sort of bailed out. So two of the doctors that they bring on, they're from Canada on a J-1 waiver. Um, it's a type of visa. And they're trying to help. And so how do they help us? You just have to find out. But it's not just an American issue. It's like a earth issue. It's global, yeah. How, how we take care of the people who are hurting and people who are sick. And, um, you know, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I have another story for you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the story that you just shared with me about this young woman. I'm very sorry that she passed away and left behind, you know, such a young, a young daughter. But my grandma, when she passed away, she was only 59. So she got diagnosed like pretty early on in her fifties. And her whole reason to live was like, she wanted to see me grow up. She wanted to see what I was, who I was going to be and whatever. And uh, it's really a shame that she didn't live that long because I turned out to be exactly like her, (laughs) but she was so lucky that she had, you know, a husband who was, uh, he was a, a veteran, so he had like really good oh. insurance, but and they had money to to sort of seek out those alternative treatments. So it yes. kept her it kept her going. And ironically, my grandfather's lung cancer was caused mostly from his job. He was a nickel miner. So it's such oh. it, see how much wow your what you're telling is like people that I know have have lived it. And Jasper Cole was, was on my show, like in the summer and he's just such a, a great actor. 
and ironically absolutely nothing like the like the characters he plays I didn't actually yeah. see Jasper in the show yet but I'm excited yep. to see it and I, he produced the he helped you produce the show as well right yes he did he did awesome. and uh, we had and then we we tried to get a group of producers directors writers you know behind the camera from different backgrounds backgrounds because that is so important it's not just seeing people of color in terms of the cast and the character but you also need people of color and people from different backgrounds different culture kind of bringing their two cents into the series or tv um, because there's no writer out there that could confidently write something where it has nothing to do with what they've experienced, right? So as a writer, if you had me write a story about, I think you did a thing on Tom Brady before. So Tom Brady, <laughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. I, I, I know a little bit of football, but guess what? I don't watch football. It makes me nervous because my husband is out there screaming and cursing. And I don't get it. I'm like, I just don't get it. You're not playing. Why are you so like emotionally invested in this? And then he gets <laughs> mad. So me and my daughter, we hide in the corner of our house <laughs> because it's something that's important to him, right? It's part of that belonging. But I can never write something about a, you know, the inner workings of professional football, right? But what if in my team, in my producer team, in my writer team, somebody was, then there's something authentic, something original that they could bring on that will just add to the flavor of that story. And so I think it's also important to kind of just not just in the front of the camera, which we have done really well of bringing more people of color, but um, behind the camera as well. And I think we are getting there. Um, I think we are making progress. I think so too. And I, and personally, I love to see it. And like, some people are like, Oh, like you're so privileged. You like this, what blonde girl. I'm like, yeah, but I'm more than happy to like bring along all my friends who are like from different nationalities, different backgrounds. There's a director, a female director. She's uh she's a black lady. Her name is Ava DuVernay and she's freaking yeah, amazing. Of course. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's best friends with my mentor and they were doing a Q&A and I was sort of helping with the social media. And she's like, Ava's going to do our Q&A today. And when she walked in the room, it was like this force of energy came in. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, I was just looking at her and I was like, I really like your hair. Like, because I was just in awe of her. And like, it wouldn't have mattered yeah. what color she was. It was her energy that was like yeah. pulling me in. And so that was yeah. really cool. The thing with the, the, did you listen to that Tom Brady episode? Because I was having a meltdown. <laughs> you know what? Okay. Complete honesty, because I can't lie. Because no, if fine. I lie, you'll hear it. But I tried listening to it and I didn't know what was happening. Right. <laughs> I couldn't complete it. I couldn't complete it. You didn't know. What, that, you didn't know what was happening because I didn't know how to fully express what I was feeling. To put that into context, it's going to sound very stupid, but if Tom Brady did not exist, I would not be alive today. And that's not a stretch. That's not a joke. My grandfather wow. was a big football fan and I didn't really watch football. I wasn't a big into football, but then I started watching it when I got older. And I remember him saying, you know, Tom Brady was a big deal and a great player. So I started watching him 
And I became obsessed with the fact that he was this player or this person who was told, you can't, you will never. That's right. And he, and Mm -hmm. he did it anyway. And all these years, I was like, I wish I could talk to Tom Brady or like reach out to Tom Brady somehow. And obviously I had no, no means of doing that. But I had a friend whose brother played on the same team as Tom Brady. And my best friend committed suicide. And my friend's first, my friend's first thought was, I got to get to Tom. Tom's the only person who can help. And he goes to Tom, like two days later, I got, he sent me like a signed photograph in the mail with like a note. And I was like, okay, this is really super sweet. That meant everything to me. And then the following year it was COVID and it was my birthday and he switched football teams. And that man sent, he sent me a big box full of gear, signed jersey and like a note saying like welcome to your new team because obviously he knew I was going to follow him and I I asked can I send something back and they allowed me and uh really I I just I would watch football whenever I felt like I couldn't keep going I would just watch him and that's his famous saying keep going keep going Mm. so I have a ring I wear a ring that says keep going whenever I have a bad day and it's like I never would have gotten through my depression if I wouldn't have had this one person that I could look at and say you know they told him he would never So whatever they're telling me that I can never, I absolutely can do that. And that's why him retiring, I was like, like, you know, it was heartbreaking for me, but now he's producing movies and I'm like, cool. So now our, our worlds are coming together and maybe there's going to be an opportunity for Tom and I to work on something. So yeah, he really, he's not a doctor, but he saved my life just by giving a shit, you know, and depression is tricky. There's, they can give you meds for it, but it doesn't necessarily help. And Tom Brady watching Tom, it was like every time I had this time to watch the game, I was just in that game and I didn't think about my pain. And eventually I was able to climb out of that hole of like, I don't want to live anymore. And now I'm at a place where I'm like very grateful to have a life. Like I tried to kill myself. It didn't work. Thank God. But there's so many people out there. I'm a huge advocate for that. There's so many people out there who don't have my my happy ending, if you will. So that's why yeah. I was I was kind of a mess because I love him. But my mom, my mom walked in, I was crying and she's like, well, who died? And I was like, oh, she's like, okay, you know what? You're still going to see him. Like he's in your life. It's okay. So yeah, yeah, that's why, that's why Tom was such a big part of my life that I had to make a whole episode about it. Well, you know what? That is such amazing story because you, and that's what it is. You know, hope doesn't come from medicine. If anybody thinks by giving you medicine that it's going to take away all of your pain, all of the issues that you're dealing with. It's not, there's no medicine out there that's going to do that. But for you, he provides you with, uh, uh, you know, and then I really believe this. It's like, there is a comfort there. It's like, even though you don't know him on a personal level, subconsciously, he gives you that comfort because, because he there, cared. He cared, right? And the thing is, like, he could have just blown you off, but he didn't. And I never and asked him for anything. Never asked him yeah. for nothing. He just did it on his own, which was, that's why I was like, okay, this person, like, I don't care where he comes from. I don't care what president he's voting for. He cares about people. He cares about humans, like humanity. And that's more important than left or right, in my opinion. I agree with you, like, billion, trillion percent. And you know, the thing is, He's also a really good football player, right? Yeah. <laughs> he he is disciplined. 
Okay, I don't know that, but I, I no, I'm he is. He is. <laughs> He's disciplined. He he honed his skills and he had strategies. He knew what he had to do to be at that elite level of playing. So this is not just the hope of like, hey, he's not a superhero. He doesn't have magical powers, you know. He doesn't have he doesn't have any of he's a human being just like any like any of us. But he was disciplined enough where he said, I'm going to take one day at a time, get better today versus yesterday. And he didn't let all the negativity like bring him down, right? And sometimes we are our own worst enemy because that voice in our head tells us like, well, let's have you compare yourself with everybody else. <laughs> so when Tom was first starting, if he allowed him to like compare himself with all the great quarterbacks and felt down about it, then I don't think he would have been where he is today. He was very confident in where he could go. He surrounded himself with people who's going to help him to, you know, be a better player both physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually, the whole human being. And I think you saw that in him. And because he was a good person to the core, somehow the universe he told glows. him, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that he needed to reach out to you. And so that is an amazing story. I'm so glad he was there for you. Um, so it's it's not sometimes just about seeing who wins and who loses. I think it's if about that's what, what brings you hope. What you can exactly when he exactly. was on the field, it's like uh, anything that was impossible for 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 those like became possible. And and then yeah. I, I started to think if it can be possible in football, what else can be possible for me? And I've done yeah. things that like people are like, how did you do that? Like I. I met Quentin Tarantino. He stopped me on the street was like, Hey, yeah. uh, are you an actor? And I was like, well, why do you, why are you stopping me? And people are like, how do you do that? And my mentor yeah. was like, it's an energy. You have this energy that we want to know you. And I yeah. met my mentor the same way. She crossed the street at a red carpet and she was like, hi. And she turned out to be an Oscar winning writer, which is insane. Yeah. But, and so when I'd see Tom, I'd be like, okay, so all you have to do is be good and believe in your, that you are capable of things. And I learned that. You can't, that's yeah. one thing, a textbook, a doctor, a teacher, nobody can that's teach right. you that you have to figure it out on your own. So this is really cool because you probably didn't know if you were going to be successful at making a show. Like that's a huge undertaking. Huge. It is. And it doesn't matter if it's successful or not successful because you know what? At the end of the day, I have fun. But you um, were successful because you made it. A lot of things get thought of and yeah. they never get made. So yeah, you, you... I, I had such a good time and it was such an honor that I got to uh, work with these great actors. I mean, phenomenal actors. They believed in the project. They believed in the, the series, the, the film. And um, I had such a good time making it. And, you know, I think that's one of the energy that you give out, Melanie, is that yeah. when I see you, you actually enjoy what you're doing. And you are open to learn. And that is something that you can't like practice, right? It, it's sort of like you have to accept the fact that you are going to fail. Not all of your projects will come to fruition, but you just keep trying because you have the love of like what you do. And I think to me, when I look at all the people who are successful in any field, that's what I see. For it's sure. like, 
whatever they're into, they're astrophysicists, right? They love it. <laughs> um, they work at the cafeteria. They love it. And, and you want to surround yourself with people who love what they do. And for me, as an oncologist, our, our, our days are numbered. Um, yes, for sure. It is. And so and you see you face mortality like constantly. Yeah. It's it's just something I can't do. I can't even watch it in films. Honestly. It's hard. It is super super hard. It's hard. And I think for me, it always goes back to the first time I heard that somebody died because my grandma had this disease that I knew was gonna kill her. So I understood that she was going to die, but I never thought my grandpa could die. So I didn't understand. I was a child. And when my mom came home from the hospital and she had all his things, she said, you know, he died. And I just laughed and went to my room and it wasn't funny and and it hurt. And I still struggle with grief from his death today. And I'm not a doctor. I don't see it every day. So it's like, how how much grief do you take on from other people? And that you don't mean to take on, but you're human. So you are taking on that grief because I feel like as a human being, you can't not take on the grief that you're feeling around you. Like if I have a friend who's grieving, I'm not going to say, Hey, I know how to fix you. Cause I don't know how to fix myself, but I'll be there to listen. Sometimes that's all you need, you know? And I just, this, this show, I think people are going to watch it and they're going to see like sort of reflections of themselves in the characters. I mean, I don't want to see anybody carrying on like I saw Denise Boutet in episode six who I love she's <laughs> awesome she's awesome She's I love so her. phenomenal when I so saw phenomenal. that I was like Denise what are you doing yeah no she's she's amazing I don't want to see her ever do that in real life but but yeah no it's why does she call it kombucha cure I'm, I'm drinking kombucha and I'm curious about it so um I think the thing is there's so many different layers to kombucha and mm-hmm. so there, there's so many different layers why we call it kombucha care. Is one, when you talk about kombucha, it's very divisive, right? There are people who love it. There are people who hate it. There are people who say it, it, it tastes horrible. Um, at the same time, we call it kombucha cure. Like it's a little bit like tongue in cheek because that's what end up happening is a lot of these people, a lot of these patients, they go to um, their doctors and they don't get the information that they need they don't get the comfort that they need then they have to seek their care elsewhere and so then they end up um going on therapy that may not be proven that may not be working for them and so while they're trying to do alternative medicine they don't do the standard medicine so i've had a lot of patients who had a curable cancer and they go to different country and get these untested um therapy and they come back and now they have cancer that spread everywhere right and so sometimes when it sounds to be you know too good to be true maybe it is and so you have to do a little bit of due diligence I am all for integrative medicine I have an amazing doctor that I work with that knows all about herbal supplements and and cancer fighting kitchen and all of this stuff but there have to be some connection between what we would consider traditional medicine and what we we consider alternative right they have to be sort of a common um like bringing together of those two therapies so it helps the patients right so it works in conjunction like that's like you have to right 
And so I think that's why she was so successful is because she kind of combined the two modalities together. Because if you just go with one, um, it may not work. And right. Sorry. So, sorry for um, what? Exactly, exactly. And so it's really sad. I do have patients who say, well, I'm not going to get chemotherapy. I'm going to try alternative route. And what I tell them is, number one, whatever decision that you make, it is 100% correct. Don't ever second guess yourself because this is your body. I am here to give you the information that you need so that you can make that right decision. But you have to make the decision that you feel that you could live with. And anytime you want to come back with more questions, I'm here for you. And so we have to kind of have this human to human relationship that's so lacking, especially now with COVID, mm -hmm. because everybody kind of like went into their little shell. And so for the past two years, we've been only talking to our family, talking to our friends, talking to like sort of in our own little echo chamber. So now when we're trying to kind of crawl out of there, it's, it's, it's really hard for people. And I think that's why right now the country is so polarized. It's because they just got into this place where everybody agrees with what they're saying. And they cannot hear somebody else who have a different opinion and is open to hearing that opinion. I think that's one of the things that why I'm, I am so open to like learning and stuff is because First of all, as an actor, the first thing they teach you is that you need to listen. Like you used to go in, I used to go into class and just be like, I'm here to hear what you have to say, but I'm not listening to it. Like you're going to say your line and then I'm going to say my line, but that doesn't work. And I think that's probably this, like similar to what you're saying is like, if we don't listen to each other to listen, then it's just noise. And personally, I think it's, it's kind of tragic that politics is so like involved in medicine because it, it's like, for example, here in Canada now, we have this premier, which is like a, I don't know, it's like a governor, I guess. And his mm -hmm. brother used to be, his brother used to be the mayor and his brother was Rob Ford, who became very famous because he did crack, which is, I mean, whatever. But he Yes, I'm familiar with Rob Ford. You're familiar uh -huh. with Rob yes. We even heard that in uh, United States. Um, oh, I of think, course. Was I? I was like in Indiana and I heard about him. <laughs> I go to LA and people are like, where are you from? And I'm like, Toronto. And they're like, do you know Rob Ford? And I'm like, well, actually yes. I do. Because when my mom found out that he had cancer, she wanted to help him like she didn't care about the politics she wanted to help the person because my mom yeah. has had cancer multiple times uh, throughout yes. her life and so she's tried like uh, my grandma did this 714x trial that probably helped her and like you're saying you know traditional medicine and you know the the stuff the the non-traditional medicine together sometimes it keeps people alive longer so my mom wanted to reach out he had two young kids we actually helped him run for mayor and now his brother is the governor and he wants to take all all healthcare and privatize it which is going to make healthcare unaffordable for pretty much everyone people can't afford to like my mom was saying people can't afford to do their groceries but now they they're going to have to worry about that and another thing my mom was saying which doctors like her she had the same doctor for like 40 years and then he he said he was going to die in the chair, but he didn't. He retired <laughs> right after COVID. I think it was just yeah. it like burned him out. 
And yeah. now there's not a lot of doctors like him who are like, or who are like you, who are willing to listen. Like my mom would tell him, no, I don't want to take this particular medication because it doesn't make me feel good. And so yes. he would try different things until he finally found something. But now that she doesn't have that doctor, she'll go to another doctor and they'll be like, you need to take this. And she's like, listen, I've been on the same thing for mm-hmm. 40 years. Like mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. So, and yeah, like doctors are not like that anymore. Like it's important for them to be more like receptive, like you, like listen to your patients. Like I've had doctors say to me, oh, you're depressed. Well, here's a, take this. And then I'm like, but I don't feel anything. I don't feel happy. I don't feel sad. I don't feel anything. And then I was like, this is not for me. Like, yeah. but unfortunately with cancer, you can't really just say, well, I don't want to do this and it'll just go away on its own. But yeah, Rob Ford, my mom tried to, you know, help him. And then he had the surgery and it was really successful. And then he had liposarcoma and he died Mm -hmm. like six months later, he recovered and then he died, which is so sad because even though he, you know, he had his faults, he really cared about people. But his brother now, not so much. He wants to prioritize Mm. everything. And it's like, how would you, like, you're rich, so you don't care. But what about people who are not rich, whose brother is going to go through the same thing as your brother? And now you're privatizing healthcare so nobody can afford it. Anytime you privatize things, that means that profit is more important than people. And And it's I would tell you, yeah, healthcare is one of those things that you never be run like a business because the people who suffer are people who are sick. It is their families. It's and a 16 um, year old girl working at Taco Bell that you told me yeah. about like that. It, that really breaks my heart really because I yeah, it does. 16. It wasn't that long ago, but I, when I was 16, I like my biggest worry was probably like, what am I going to wear to school tomorrow? <laughs> like I was, Oh yeah. You, know. you have all of your clothes out and you're trying to like <laughs> make sure that you're, shirt and your pants or your dress matches your shoes (laughs) matches your earring like yes but um no she went to school full-time and worked to and the thing is this is just one of thousands of stories you know these are one of like hundreds of hundred thousands of stories of people who are not um they don't have the 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 ability to have the best health care um, they don't have like the top of the line insurance, right? And so um, I've had cases where people will go to different countries because they can't afford care here in the United States. And they come back with horrible complication, horrible, horrible surgical botched up jobs, you know? And it's 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 heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. And, may, and that's one of the reasons we had to kind of make this into a dark comedy. Because if I put out there, like seriously of all the horrible things that's happening because of the greed of the these companies whether they're not that all insurance companies are bad i have friends who works for insurance companies good people they're good people but sometimes they make mistakes you know and so i think we just have to give everybody sort of like benefit of doubt and say look let's work together so that we take care of the people who are sick and their families. And if they can't afford a, you know, healthcare, what are we going to do? And there are people who say, well, if they can't afford healthcare, then too bad. It's that's just, you know, what it is. And it really makes me sad because 
I know a lot of people who were very wealthy and because they were in stocks or they lost their business, their, you know, CFO um, ran off with their money, whatever, they got into drugs and now they're homeless, you know? And so you could, I mean, we, you and I, Melanie, are sitting in a seat of privilege. We are extremely privileged for me to be here and have the health care that I have because I'm a physician. I can afford to go. And when my husband was ill, I could afford to go to the nurse and say, you need to call the doctor. I could call up the phone and, and talk to, you know, a board member and say, you know, this is what my husband's going through. What are you going to do about it? Right. We are at, at a, at a place of privilege that most of the Americans, especially the one in the rural community, they don't have that voice. They don't have that power. And so um, this, the only way we could kind of like showcase this is through dark comedy. I'm hoping that we'll have additional seasons. Um, I can't say too much. And I don't know if you're going to have Jasper on. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I can give you a little bit more. You know, I, I don't want to get yelled at by my producers, uh, but I know they're working. Um, because uh, the uh, kombucha care, the first season, I'm going to say the it's first coming season, out. Yes, in like it's, um, it's in a small town. Um, it's a copper mining town where um, because of the greed of the people who work there, you know, they got sick. Um, we're hoping that future season um, will be in other areas of the country, you know, where people just don't have access to good health care. And at the same time, they really struggle with with the what we call navigation. There's, you know, there. Even, I don't want to say 20, 30 years ago, you went to see a primary care doc and they took care of everything. Now you have to see like 10 different specialists mm -hmm. because you have a little bit of high blood pressure. Maybe you're, you are, uh, your blood sugar is like, you know, your borderline diabetic, or maybe because, you know, you had a sort of a stroke. I mean, so you have to see all these different doctors and it just feels like they're not communicating. And so it, adds to additional problems in healthcare right now. And so you go to a different hospital, they want to redo all the tests again. You go to a different doctor and they have they don't have any of your records. And so for patients, it's really frustrating. And they're getting mad because they're saying, I pay so much, you know, like I pay $2,000 a month for healthcare. And I get to see my doctor for 10 minutes the whole time they're sitting there charting, they're barely giving me eye contact. So they're mad. And I totally get that. Um, that's where our healthcare is from. And the other flip side of the coin is because the government and various insurance companies have said, well, now we have to focus on quality, right? Quality healthcare. So they're having the doctors do all of these different questions that we have to ask. So I am... I'm literally sitting there. I don't do this, but I could, I've had <laughs> patients who told me like, you know, who are like 60 years old and the doctor asked her like, Hey, you know, are you thinking about pregnancy? You know, do you have, you know, are you being, you know, hurt at your home? And she's like, I told you, I'm like over 60 years old. I live by myself. It's like, no, why are you asking me these ridiculous questions? And the doctors are saying, well, it's, I just have to do this because this is what the insurance is telling me I have to ask. These are these are the quality metrics that I have to do. And so there's definitely a, a divide between 
what we expect from our caregiver, our doctors, from a, a, a patient's perspective, and what the insurance company is saying that we have to do. And, you know, that's another whole ball of <laughs> issues that we could talk about <laughs> the time. The reason I'm laughing is now I'm not laughing at you. It's because I dislocated my kneecap and I went to the hospital the day after because my mom was, it went back in and my mom was like, you're fine. And then the next day, my, you know, my kneecap is like this big. So we went to the hospital and the doctor looked at my x-ray and then he comes and he says to me, what's wrong with it? And then I was like, well, you're a doctor. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, so he put me in a brace and then, but then it started to hurt again. And I had to go to a different doctor. And when I went there, he made me go through like a series of tests. And one of the tests was for HIV. And I was like, I don't want to have AIDS. And the girl was like, Shh, like, you know, this is discreet. And I was like, no, but I don't have AIDS. Cause like, I, you know, you're young. So it's like offensive. So like, yeah. I can totally understand this woman being like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm 60. But it's like, I get that they have to ask. But at the same time, it's like, what does that have to do with my knee hurting? You know? Right. So like, and I bet you when you went in, they asked you about your family history and what are you allergic to? What medicine you take? Yep. And all of the, do you smoke? Do you drink alcohol? The reason is if we don't ask those things, we don't get paid by the insurance company. Do you know that? I don't so know it, how it works. So no, <laughs> we, we it's, it just puts these doctors in a really difficult predicament because we know you came in to see us for your knee pain. And what you want us to do is one, make you feel better. Mm -hmm. And two, if it's serious, we have to do something so that it doesn't, you don't have like problems with it later on. Right. You know it, I know it, but then there's all these like different paperwork we have to do. Um, so I just read a study that said that if doctors did everything they're supposed to do with all the regulations, we would literally need, I think they say 29 or 28 hours a day just to fill out all the forms correctly. And wow. so um, this is what happens when you try to do healthcare, but you don't realize that um, it's impacting the, the regular American population in a really different way. And so hopefully, you know, um, the viewers will see this and, and, you know, say, oh, okay, this is a dark comedy, but we'll do something about it because if they have the chance to do something, then they could. I think people just as a whole, when they see something on TV, it's suddenly not like the news, like TV, a show or a film, it suddenly becomes more important to them than it was yeah. before. So yeah. yeah, that's definitely something that when they, it's, it sort of reminded me a little bit of kind of like a, da a Dallas buyers club, what I got from it. Yeah. yeah. Like the, like the kombucha cure team is kind of trying to sort of deal some sort of something. I don't want to say too much, but then, <laughs> yeah. you know, then there's these crazy insurance people who are doing like insurance fraud and all this. It's it is. Um, I'm not going to bore your guests, but going through all the whole insurance fraud thing. <laughs> I got it when I saw Denise with the gun. I was like, okay. <laughs> Just. But it is. And if, you don't have to do illegal things. That's the thing is people are robbing um, sick people blind by doing it legally. And to me, that's the part that is the saddest is that they're actually protection for people and organization and insurance companies to get away with a lot of 
these bad things that they're doing. So I'm hoping that um, your listeners um, have the opportunity to see this. It's kind of the first episode is coming out next Tuesday um, on, on the 21st, Pop Star. Right? Yes, on, it, on Pop Star. Is this also available on like Apple or Roku, it's, stuff like that? So uh, we have an exclusive agreement with Popstar. So each uh, episode will be um, like shown week by week. And after that, it will be available in water streaming media. Um, I can't say too much about it now because uh, that's like a producer thing. <laughs> of course, I, I know this stuff. You have to sign all these NDAs and things. I know. Yeah. But uh, if you keep me updated, I will definitely share like the episodes with people because like it's an important listening to you talk about it like what I've shared with you already it's it's a lot of I've seen it in my own life first of all second of all as an actor I think it's important to share each other's work I feel like when one of us wins we all win like actors writers producers directors we all kind of work together it doesn't people think an actor just shows up and they just make it up on the spot, but it's not like that. There's like a huge, huge team of people, which of which you are one. And so, yeah, it's important for me to always to share people's work. Plus I love Jasper and Denise, like they were so cool to chat with. And Jasper is particularly hilarious. (laughs) And since I- He has a really dry sense of humor. He said something to me and he set me up like to embarrass myself okay, on purpose because yeah. I'm friends with Tom Bergeron, the TV host, uh-huh. and he's really into yoga. And so me and me and Jasper were talking and I was like, you know, when I get to my 50 second show, Tom's going to come back on. And he's like, ask him if he practices tantric yoga. So I'm like, okay, but I don't know what that is. So me and Tom <laughs> are talking and I ask. Uh-huh. And his whole face just kind of drops because Tom's older. He's like 67. And he's like, Melanie, that's sex yoga. And uh-huh. I was like, I was like, this guy, Jasper, <laughs> told me to ask you. And he's like, yeah, I think he set you up to look like a bit of an idiot. And I was like, oh, my God. But like, no, I totally get oh, it. He was so just funny. he was just having fun with me. So I'm not upset about it or anything. But something cool about Jasper is, yes, his sense of humor is a little dry, but he has a really big heart. And he oh, really cares yes. about the, the, the people that he works with and the project that he works on. Like, yeah. I could have talked to him for days and we were just talking about like how something is like, oh, your eyes are the wrong color. So you can't have this job or whatever. And how he's faced that because yeah. this business is so the cutthroat. They don't care. They, they, like if you if you're the wrong height, well, too bad. We'll move on. And Jasper was like, never quit just because somebody tells you, you know your nose is the wrong shape or whatever. And then I, I looked at, I watched some of his stuff and he's been in like a ton of stuff, but you wouldn't necessarily know it because his name yeah. is not immediately recognized. But that to me is very small, like minimal thing because if you can recognize the face and then you watch the show and you're like, I remember him from this and he's he has that and he's really, really great. I don't think we're going to see him much in this show from what I've seen. <laughs> Maybe you will see him more. You'll definitely see him more in the different episodes. Um, and I think to me, a good actor is not somebody who can make the character just authentic, which was really hard to do. This is why I am not an actor. I actually went to an <laughs> acting school and oh my gosh, it's I you know what? It's kind of like asking me to play football. It's just not gonna happen. 
um, I was so self-conscious. They're like, oh, no, you'll get used to it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I know where where, where are my limit is, right? I, I, lo I love to write. I love to direct. I love to edit. Um, but one thing that is amazing about Jasper is that he's humble. And I think he comes from humility, not because he has low self-esteem. No. He is very very confident in who he is as a human being, who he is as an actor, and that he's willing to be vulnerable with you. And to me, in order for you to be an actor, you have to be able to be vulnerable and to be humble. And that's how you become a better actor. Um, it's like, and that's why I have him as my producer. It's because he's an honest human being. And I know that's really hard to find especially in this industry um, because it seems like a lot of times um, they're everybody's sort of up for themselves a little bit. And um, I think that's kind of like one of the sad things, but I've been blessed to be surrounded by producers and actors and people in this um, industry that are creative. They want to come together and create something that they couldn't make themselves. Right. And that's, if you come from a place like that, then everybody's right. All of our, you know, uh, suggestion is a, a right one, something that we need to kind of consider. And I think um, as a director, that's how I like to work with my actors is you have experience in your life that I did not experience. I want to honor that experience. I want to honor that emotion that you had and see if we could bring an authentic part of that out. And I think that's sort of what we do with Kombucha Care. I agree. And yeah, I, acting classes are horrible. The first acting class I went to, I had a teacher who told me that she did not like my hair and that she had me playing a doctor and I was wearing high heels. And she was like, if you were a doctor, would you wear that? And I was like, if I was a doctor, yeah, I would. Cause this is oh, yeah. me, you know? And she was like, no doctors dress like this. And I was like, have you ever seen a doctor? Cause I've seen doctors, you know, who work in heels, first of all, but second of all, I look like I'm 15 years old. So nobody's going to believe that I'm a doctor. So I'm not going to get this kind of audition. So give me something that works for me. And it's yeah. terrifying. And yeah. I was, I would go to class every week and every week she would make me cry basically. But I knew that I wanted to be an actor so much that I would keep going back and keep going back and eventually she was like you know what your problem is you're just too confident about who you are and you just know who you are so well and I was like if I didn't know who I was I wouldn't be here in this class because to to be an actor to tell your parents I want to be an actor they look at you like you're crazy my mom says to me oh you're just being stupid now when I first said it <laughs> Oh my God. My dad, my dad was like, if you, if you don't go to college, like you, I'm not going to be around basically. And I was like, you're not around anyway. So I'm going to go and I'm going to be an acting classes and I'm going to learn how to do what I love because I can live with you not like being proud of me, but I can't live with me not being myself. So I love acting, but I have been so fortunate that I've never to this day met besides the acting teachers, an actor who disappoint me or who's like because when we watch actors especially big big actors we get this idea in our heads of who they are and I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Cranston but I built him up in my head like like he was just end game 
And he was coming to the film festival. And I'm like, I am going to take my mom to the film festival. My mom, who hates movies. So we're going to wait outside all day. And I'm going to meet Brian Cranston. Of course, that didn't happen. There's a thousand people. But yeah. my, ment- my now mentor, she was the director writer. She crossed the street. And she just liked me just from looking at me. And we kept in touch. And some time went by. And she invited me to the premiere of the film, which starred Brian Cranston. And she's like, come on. And she, and she was introducing me to him. And I'm like, wait a minute, am I going to get the Brian Cranston that I've built up in my head? Or am I getting Walter White? Like, who am I getting? Uh-huh. And I was so scared. But when I got to Brian, like, no, I had no nerves, like nothing shook. So I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Uh-huh. And Brian turned around and he was like, hi. And he was, I, I looked at him and I was like, you know, I always wanted a dad like you because I don't have one. And he had tears in his eyes and he just grabbed me. Oh. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a community where you really have to meet the right people. And you, yeah. Jasper is amazing, but there are, are like these big stars like Brian, who you don't know who you're going to get when they walk into the room. So yeah. I've been really blessed. Obviously you've met amazing people with Denise, yeah. who is amazing, who I'm scared of now. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, okay. Cause I'm so used to her being like, she's so, she's beautiful, very striking. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm used to her being like this, you know, sexy kind of character. And here she's still sexy, but she's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to bore you with my talking because I could go on and on for days. But I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I feel like I feel like it's important when you leave a conversation that you learn something. So I did, which I, I wasn't expecting to, but I did. And I am looking forward to the series, which comes out on February 21st on Popstar. And then every week sort of on a different platform which I will share beyond like once this is released yay thank it's, you it's yeah and I'll watch it and I'll yeah do you guys have a like a social media for it Spoiler you know what it? we do I think it is called kombucha care we're on insta okay. we're on facebook um okay. I think we're also on twitter um okay. and so yeah have your um listeners check us out and hopefully um they you know, they enjoy it. They have fun. And um, it's a sort of a conversation starter for, um, you know, for them and their friends and their family or they're at school or, you know, just wherever they are. And yeah. this is sort of how you have revolution, right? Is where you have people saying, okay, we could change a little bit and you don't have to change a lot, just a little bit so that um, we all get good healthcare in the future. It's really cool that you, everything that you said is really cool. But what you just said, because I watched this film and you've probably seen it. It's called Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew Garfield, the amazing Andrew Garfield. And he played, you know, a character who is dying, but has no idea that he's dying. So he's just kind of living yeah. and there he's singing and whatever. And then there's this line in the song where he says, like, why, why does like, why does it take catastrophe to start a revolution? And this like led to me questioning the entire education system, <laughs> which makes no sense because I had this guidance counselor who I always, like, I loved him. I thought he was really in my corner. And he, once I started acting, he started to tell me that I was in a cult and all this stuff. And I was like, no, it's really not like that. And I just remember all through high school, he would always assume that I had quote unquote daddy issues but you don't miss what you don't have. So my dad being absent wasn't really an issue, but my grandpa being dead was really like 
weighing on me and I hit it well. And I said to him, I said, you know, after I watched this movie, I thought about it and you never asked, you didn't care. Cause if you cared, you would have asked me what was really wrong. And he said, mm-hmm. but you didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I said, but how do you know that you never asked me? Cause if you asked me about my grandpa, I'll talk for the week, you yeah. know, but, but he didn't ask. So there's probably someone who will watch this and they will have questions about maybe their own doctor or yeah. somebody in their family's doctor. And that's, and I have actually friends who are doctors and nurses who listen to my podcast and probably much like you were listening to me going crying about Tom Brady going, what the hell? But <laughs> I don't usually do that. That was just because he was, you know, he retired, but um, yeah. Yeah. I think that you're, you're going to have a lot of people who are going to be asking themselves questions and that's important. Awesome. Awesome. Yourself Could I say just say one thing before we sign off yeah, yeah, for yeah. your friends um, who are physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, the clerk, the person who cleans the um, the hospital. You guys are my heroes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I can't do my job without you guys. Um, there are times when, you know, I, I seriously second guess if we're making any difference. But it's when I see those nurses, um, they're, they're holding their pee so they could go and answer that uh <laughs> you know, the calls and, you know, we have patients that will call and they will be screaming, absolutely screaming vulgar things because they're so scared. They don't know what's happening. They want answers and the nurses just listen and they say, okay, let me see what I could do to help you. It's those are the heroes we don't see every day and they deserve better. They deserve higher pay. They deserve more recognition. They deserve like all the accolade we could give them. So Please tell them I say thank you from the bottom of my heart, from my soul. I hear you guys. I will. But in closing, I just have to say, you said that you question whether or not, you know, you make a difference. But I told you a story at the very beginning of this conversation. And if you guys didn't make a difference, my mom wouldn't be here. And if my mom wasn't here, I don't know where I would be because I would be very alone in the world. So don't don't question that because it absolutely makes a difference. And that you made a TV show about it. So you brought it into a different space and into what is essentially my world that yeah. that's making a big difference. So thank you. Now I'm crying, but th- yeah, thank you for everything that you guys do. And I'm sure my mom would say the same thing. If there weren't, you know, doctors who believed in alternative mes- uh, medicine, her mom would have died seven years before she did and she didn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, you guys, you do make a difference. It's just, like when my mom's in pain, she's really awful and mean. And then you guys yeah. get that too, or I get it if yes. I'm here. And that's, it's just the pain talking, but definitely that we, we appreciate like, like the doctor who, who saved my mom's life. Like I owe him everything because what if, what if my mom would have walked out of the hospital four hours later, I would have had a dead mother. So yeah, you are making a difference. So just, just know that. And that's coming from an actor. So <laughs> makes who makes little difference right now but I'm hoping to soon have that big enough platform where I can um like bring more awareness to things that matter like things like this and other issues politics are not really my thing but but you know the human condition does matter to me and I and I do want to make a big difference and I've learned a lot with you and you're really lovely so thank you for, hey, for joining thank me. you I really hope you enjoyed that. And again, I'm sorry for the sound quality. 
I promise you it will be better for next episode, which should be next week. But if I don't get the adapter in time, it will be the week after that. Anyway, I want you to check out Kombucha Cure. Um, I've already seen a couple episodes. It's great. It's a lot of fun. And it's coming out exclusively on Popstar on February 21st. And after that, it will come out on different streaming platforms. And I will be there to um, share those those um, platforms with you on my social media. You can find me on Twitter at AblondeWhoTalks, A-B-L-O-N-D-E-W-H-O-T-A-L-K-S. And you can, yeah, you'll find all the information there, including the social accounts for Kombucha Cure, which I also will encourage you to um, follow. So yeah, this is a relatively quick intro outro from me, which you're probably not used to. I'm not used to it, but um, with the sound quality being what it is, I don't think it's worth it for me to sit here and just, yeah. Uh, so I just have to, you know, give a big shout out to my sponsors as usual. Huxware, uh, you can find them on Instagram, H-U-X-W-E-A-R, uh, Eatable Inc., which is the, the delicious um, <laughs> alcohol-infused popcorn, at Eatable Inc., E-A-T-A-B-L-E-I-N-C, on Instagram, Michael Solberg Family Wines, as usual, the OG, um, and my latest and newest um, sponsors, Old Foods obsessed with their snacks. And I will get more into that when I have a microphone that works properly or a microphone at all. I'm actually just using computer audio, which is extremely unprofessional, but the show must go on. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. Um, I will be back very soon. You guys keep asking me when uh, Robin Lively will be on. She will be on. She's a very busy woman. Robin Lively, more than likely my next guest. And uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I got for you. So uh, looking forward to chatting with Robin Lively very soon and bringing that to you guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye. You can be a medicine.